Tax and accounting firms know the stress that comes with onboarding and collaborating with clients. Sure, you're trying to grow your business, but adding new clients can really stretch your team. Buying a lot of software to fix problems is expensive and can even create more confusion for both your clients and your team. Imagine having a single solution designed to support your most critical needs, like secure document management, workflow automation, PBC list processes, and e-signatures. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, ShareFile, later in the episode. Everybody wants meaning. Yeah. Nobody wants a nine to five job anymore. And so this next generation, they come out, they decide they want to be accountants. They graduate, they get their CPA exam. They work on an audit and realize it means nothing. Like, could you imagine like <laughs> the psychological blow to all the work you've put in for the last five, six years of your life to find yeah. out the work you're doing absolutely means nothing. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, I've got a virtual background on here. <laughs> That's right, because you are in Seaside, Florida. David, what are you doing out in the panhandle of Florida? I am here for the accounting salon. I was not unable to attend last year, and so I made the trek this year to accounting salon. And just what accounting salon is, it was an experiment uh, this is the fifth year in a row now, or the fifth event that we've done. And it's Amanda Aguilar and myself. We met at a conference and kind of this idea of like, where, you know, where do people go that teach at the conferences, go to learn things from each other? And there's nothing existed. And we kind of just, as an experiment, I was like, well, I know some QuickBooks people. And she said, I know some zero people. And they're all, you know, cat, they're off cast practices. And we brought them to New Orleans on year one. There's about 18 people. And it was basically in Amanda's backyard, right? Like we had in her boat, her pool house, we all stood around and had a conference to some extent. Yeah. That's what I'm doing in Seaside, Florida. Did you know that this is where they filmed the Truman Show? So if you've seen that movie, the Truman Show, that is the bubble I'm living in right now. <laughs> I, I did. And uh, I wish I could be there. I've always wanted to see that place. So maybe next year. Um, but we got lots and of And it's like the Truman discuss. Show because we're streaming. Like we're streaming, right? right? It's like people are watching me in the Truman Show. (laughs) Except on the Truman Show, Seaside Florida had a much better uh, internet connection because they were streaming in high definition all over the planet (laughs) in a bubble. And I don't don't understand. How how is it that your connection is so bad? I I feel like, I mean, this is a story we've talked about on the show that like broadband in the United States is like not where it needs to be for us to be competitive globally. Because like, you're barely moving for me. Yes. Well- Let's get to the news. We got a lot to talk about because we spent all of last episode demoing AI inside of practice management solutions. And there's so much going on still with AI. Accounting Today ran the CPA exam through ChatGPT and said it failed miserably. I saw a story about check fraud on the rise in the Wall Street Journal, which I couldn't believe. I'm trying to reconcile these two things. Here we are, cloud accounting, AI, and check fraud is still a thing. There's been a TurboTax settlement. There's a story in Accounting Today about how audit firms who remove partners or audit firms remove partners who fault clients' internal controls. The three failed U.S. banks all had KPMG in common. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Should we Should we start with this CPA exam thing, David? I think that's... that's yeah, let's talk AI because I think that's the most... Yeah. That was the most story I made the most notes on this week as well. I, I like, Yeah, I have lots of questions i guess on that okay so oh and welcome to our live stream 
viewers, Michael and Brian, great to see you both. Brian says, ciao, why can't Blake film from Italy? I'm a little reluctant to do it like because of the internet thing. And so uh, I decided let's do it now uh, before I leave. I'm, I'm going to Italy for a couple of weeks for Expensicon. I'll see you there, David. I'm going a bit in advance uh, to see the sites. I've never been, so I'm, I'm excited. Hello, Heather. Welcome so into the stream. Speaking, Great to see you. When we're both yeah. in Italy next week and we're going to record together, are we going to try to stream us recording together at the same time? <laughs> I mean, in the same, it, might as well. We'll give it a shot. We'll see if the if the resort can. It can't can be any worse than it. this. Apparently, I don't know how it's looking. How rough I mean, it you're is. you're still on the stream. You haven't been disconnected yet, so we'll see. Hello, okay. Heather. Welcome. Um, okay, so accounting today had ChatGPT take the CPA exam and it failed. David, takeaways. Well, they didn't just say it failed. It failed utterly in all four sections. <laughs> yes, okay. uh, it um, got. 39% on reg, audit, 46, FAR, 35, and BEC, 48. It did not pass any part of the CPA exam. But there's a catch to this. Did you see what they did that might invalidate these res results very soon, yeah. David? So, so, so to rewind, so, so they, they did an experiment, right? And yeah. they uh, did this in their, uh, the home office of its RZN. And that's their parent company of accounting today. And they worked the with Surgeon CPA Review, the publisher. So they basically gave it a practice test. And go if you scroll down the bottom of the article, they kind of talk a little bit more about how they did it. And it looks like they just gave it a – they didn't train it. And maybe that's my takeaway, right? They said – they said – they primed it with this question – with this prompt. Chat GPT, you are going to take on the role of a student – who's taking the CPA exam today. Repeat this information back to me. And then they would paste in an exam question and get an answer, an exam question and get an answer. But nowhere did it say like, oh, we gave it the textbooks of an accounting graduate's courses or, you know, uh, any education, right? And so mm -hmm. that's the first, that was the part I was confused on, right? Is like, well, of course, like if you don't give it training, how's it going to have the answers? And so that's my confusion over this or not confusion it's just like it's very clickbaity but if you read it it doesn't make a lot of sense so my problem with the methodology is right up at the top they used gpt3 instead of 4 it says we use two laptops each running a separate chat gpt 3.5 pro account because using gpt4 would have made the experiment impractical due to metering currently even if you pay for GPT-4, you can only do 20 or 25 questions or prompts per, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I got limited earlier today. Eventually and it tells you, yeah, it, t it usually tells you to stop, right? Usually. Yeah, it does. So, so here, here's the thing. You can't do this experiment on three and then say that GPT failed because the bar exam, GPT also failed at that with version three, but then version four passed it with huge marks. And I think anybody who's used GPT knows that there's a huge difference between version three and version four. It was a, it was an order of magnitude difference in quality. And that's what got me really into ChatGPT was the version four improvement. And so this morning, I, I was so frustrated with this. I decided to, as quickly as possible, try and replicate at least some of this. So I opened up GPT-4, 
ChatGPT version 4. And I went to the AICPA CPA practice exam that you can find online. And I just started pasting the multiple choice questions into ChatGPT. And I gave it a similar prompt. I said, you are taking the CPA exam. That's your job. I'm going to give you exam questions. You pick the best answer. So I gave it 10 multiple choice questions from the audit practice exam. It got 10 out of 10 right. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Now, it there are also um, exercises in the audit exam, right? Which I couldn't get it to do because I can't paste in a spreadsheet with the formatting. So I was only able to give it multiple choice questions, but it aced them, 10 out of 10. The first two Quizlets, the Quizlets are five questions each. So 10 questions. Then I gave it the FAR, the financial accounting questions, okay? It got seven out of the 10 correct. And the ones that it missed all had to do with math, calculations, calculating some value. And we know that AI, right now, ChatGPT, can't do calculations accurately because it's not hooked up to a calculator. It's a language model. So if it does calculations properly, that's just dumb luck, right? So, like... I mean, this this is completely misleading, and I, I'm not. I think to, my big takeaway, yeah, I think it's a bad story because, like, if is as somebody who's now fiddling with ChatGPT, like, I, I'm gonna say I'm a prompt expert or and have some title, but like, I fiddled with it enough to get a good vibe here of what's going on, and I think if somebody has not used it yet or doesn't understand it, they're just gonna see this headline, and if you're an accountant you might get a false sense of confidence, right? Exactly. Like, just that makes sense. And then I look at this and other, like, two other aspects is I would like to see what happens with students who are allowed to use ChatGPT when they take the exam because that's going to be your real world. It's going to kind of be your assistant. It's like student plus ChatGPT, how, what were their scores together? You know, working as a team would be interesting. And then the other piece of this, which is really Surgeon CPA needs a better marketing department and PR department because I would have done it like this. It failed miserably. Then we told it to study using our study materials. And now look, now it passes. And that, they, they, they blew an opportunity to market Surgeon CPA review. And the reason you mentioned Surgeon is because they did this experiment with Accounting Today together. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, they uh, used their, um, their practice test or whatever from Surgeon. Use their practice test, right. So yeah. GPT is coming for audit. I am convinced that most staff level audit work will be automated by generative AI. I mean, OpenAI's own research paper said that auditing and accounting is 100% exposed to automation through their technology. And that means that at least 50% of the tasks in that job or profession can be automated. So at least 50% of the current tasks that accountants and auditors do can be automated with generative AI, which is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. But I think a lot of those tasks are at the entry level. So then that creates all the questions about what are those students going to do if they're still being prepared in an old way, an education system that hasn't changed, still doing stuff on well, paper. How are they going to learn? Mean, yeah. Yeah. So, Develop so anyway, new skills. So don't, don't pay attention to these experiments, if they're not using GPT-4, it is not going to be accurate. And we got 100% with GPT-4, chat GPT-4 on the audit, uh, on 10 audit questions. 
So I got another story in this vein, David. Uh, before we leave this, there was a quote in this article, and because I'm somebody who's never taken the CPA exam, and I was a little confused. So this is uh, Wes Bricker. He's the vice chair and co-leader of Trust Solutions at PwC. And he said, there's more to accounting than just having a lot of accounting knowledge. There's also the matter of professional judgment, skepticism, and experience, which ChatGPT lacks. I'm wondering, like, does a college student have professional judgment, skepticism, and experience out of college? And then when they're taking the exam, do you get tested on those three things? So I'm not, I, I, I can't reconcile, like, who cares if ChatGPT doesn't have it? Because the test, right. is it testing for that? Uh, I mean, it tests knowledge of what those terms mean, but you can't gain professional skepticism from a textbook, I don't think. You have to learn it on the job, right? Which is why I don't think that yeah. you know, the audit partners and the managers and directors who are using supposedly using professional skepticism are not going to get automated. But, you know, all the rote work, yeah. It just ingests yeah, in the... This article, everybody should go read this article. Because it has a lot of quotes from accounting professors and senior partners and all, and they're almost all telling themselves, of course, ChatGPT can't do our jobs. And I think they may not be right. I don't know. So I got a follow up here. We were talking about the potential yeah. for AI fraud on the podcast. And the number one tech reporter at the Wall Street Journal has just validated our concerns. Joanna Stern wrote a piece at the end of April, titled, I cloned myself with AI, she fooled my bank and my family. So Joanna Stearns does great work on tech reporting. She's always testing the new iPhones, all the new gadgets for the Wall Street Journal, does these awesome videos that I love watching. And she's testing out in this article, this service called Synthesia. Have you heard of Synthesia, David? No. It's an AI that creates a voice and um, image and then puts, you know, you type the words and the avatar speaks. It's an avatar. So I could, so I could upload a still image of you and a couple samples of your voice and then give it text and it'll move exactly. your jaw. And, it, and you know, it, okay. I've seen some of these in action and they look a little stiff, but like they're getting better and better and better. And you can see them totally being used for like corporate training videos, that sort of thing, right? The beauty is you don't have to hire a professional actor and pay them every time you change your script. You just update the avatar with whatever new text you need to write. So she had, um, she's also been testing out an AI voice clone developed by Eleven Labs, an AI speech software developer. She gathered 90 minutes of her voice from previous videos she's done, uploaded the files to the tool, and then under two minutes, it cloned her voice. So she can type in any text, click generate, and then within seconds, her voice says it aloud. Now, I'm going to play some of these clips for you, David, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to tell okay. me eyes are I want you to tell me what you think is, a, uh, is, is if this is a real voice or not. Hey, Dad, what are the last four digits of your social security number? Pretty hard to tell, right? You want to answer right now? That's that's the yeah. I would not know. That's just a small, quick audio. Yeah, clip. here we go. I'm gonna play it again yeah. for you. Hey, Dad, what are the last four digits of your social security number? That was an AI voice clone created by Eleven Labs. Here's another one. Hey, Dad, what are the last four digits of your social security number? That was Synthesia. This is Joanna Stern's real voice. Hey, Dad, what are the last four digits of your social security number? So you can see, right? You yeah. can hear the difference. 
but it's a lot harder to hear the difference when it's these short questions like yeah. this, though, Blake. Like if it was a three sentence paragraph, I'm there's no doubt I would have nailed it. But when they're short, five what are these seven word sentences? It's not long enough for you to pick up the weird speech pattern. Yeah. Right. So here's the scary part. She called up Chase's credit card system, the voice biometric system, and she fooled it using the synthetic voice. So she dialed up customer service at the biometric step when the automated system asked for her name and address, AI Joanna responded. Hearing the bot's voice, the system recognized it as her and immediately connected to a representative. And then, I mean, right? It, It beat the biometrics. I'm shocked because I think we, somebody predicted this was going to start happening. You know, I think I talked about it on the show just high level five weeks ago. I am shocked that the banks have not shut down this voice recognition yeah. stuff yet. I feel like there's a, there's a huge risk for the banks to, and it's not so much the banks are going to falter because of it, but they're going to have a lot of clients that get fleeced because of this. Yeah. And I mean, they got to, they got to stop it right now immediately. And I don't know if there's a way to like disable this voice authentication on your own account, I would recommend doing it because anyone can take recordings of you. If there are recordings out there, you know, they could clone me, they could clone you. Anybody who's on social media or has ever done a podcast before, somebody can find your voice. It's a good thing we're podcasters and don't have any money. (laughs) I don't have anything to worry about. I have more AI news about Intuit. Oh yeah, before we go to that, we've got some listener feedback here in real time. Heather said she fooled the system. That's an AI talking to an AI, right? That's exactly it. So right now the AI can fool the AI. How long before it can fool a human? And how long before we have AIs that are looking for other AIs? Michael said, well, this is frightening. Yeah. Heather also said, I "I think it's the inflection that differs. The first was definitely fake. The second was closer. Yeah. Uh, But inflection, I think, is something they're going to figure out. That's just a matter of training the model comparing having the model train itself it's not that far off yeah to have more randomness in it. exactly yeah it's, it's to stumble over words to mumble all right what's your TurboTax story david so it's not even TurboTax. so this is an article from TechCrunch, and the article title of the article is bad it just says intuit shift <laughs> like it, so on the surface you may not even read the article like what do you care about intuit shift but it's basically an article about intuit's ai journey and we've talked about this on the show, like like ChatGPT, AI, this is all great, but if, unless you have it tied to like serious data, how does it really become useful? So Intuit already has 700 AI-related patents that they've been working on the last half a dozen years or so. And now they also, they're also applying all that against, they have 730 million customer interactions and 58 billion machine learning predictions daily from the last five years. So Intuit's probably pretty close to unleashing this, right? They have the data, they have the patents, they have the technology stack. Um, and it was talking about how in 2022, they laid over, they laid off, Intuit laid off 700 employees and then they rehired or basically hired 700 new people with AI skills. And that's the same thing Brad Smith kind of did with the when they moved from Intuit moved from desktop to cloud, about five years in a row, they lay off 700 people, rehire 700 new people with a different skill set, right? And it really helped Intuit move into from a desktop company to a cloud company. It kind of sounds like this is happening again. Um, so you're predicting that we're going to see some 
big breakthroughs from Intuit. We haven't seen any yet, though, that use generative AI. No, but I think we're going to see something soon. It's coming. And because they, of these jobs. They do yeah. intend to have it be, you know, it is a. Uh, to augment the platform, to augment accountants and bookkeepers and financial experts. It's not to replace anybody. They go on to talk about that. And then they were talking about how sometimes it's not even in the price themselves, but you know how TurboTax Live and QuickBooks Live, you can do video chats with them. So they're using AI in that service. So if we were on a video chat, it'll record our audio and make notes. And then at the end, summarize the notes with some bullets of here's what David, the accountant and Blake, the client talked about on a QuickBooks live service. And that's what I was thinking, well, people could do that themselves with their clients. There's, there's services that plug into Zoom, I think like otter.ai. And so every time you meet with your client, it'll pump out a summary of that Zoom call. Uh, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Teams is probably going to do this already or for very soon. So there are ways to for you as a firm can still compete with somebody like Intuit because these uh, these tools are becoming more and more off the shelf. Marissa said, interesting. So QB will be smarter, right? QB needs to be smarter. It already <laughs> screws up nearly all categorization in bank feeds. Yeah, why can't they get that right, David? It's getting better, but it doesn't, yeah. It, it, I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's just maddening enough. Michael it's said- maddening uh, enough. I heard recently that some of the thought leaders in AI say there's a 10 to 20% chance AI will destroy humanity as we know it. A one in five chance. Yeah, that is terrifying. And as somebody who grew up on sci-fi as a significant portion of my reading material, and I read a lot, I mean, I read a lot about the dystopian futures created by AIs, and I'm, I don't know. I'm, there's not much we can do about it, though, right? So I just am not, it, but it's I'm not, not thinking about it. it. It's, I don't think it's going to kill us out of spite. It's going to kill us because it's going to make a really stupid mistake. That's, that's my fear. And like I had it create all these calendar appointments for my trips. And it, one of my appointments, the address was not to the airport. <laughs> it, it just mapped me to someplace else. Like, so at some right. level, it's not smart enough to, if you're putting in a, my flight information in my calendar, it probably is going to be an airplane flight at an airport, ChatGPT, and it didn't put the didn't put an airport in for me to go to. It just puts. Did you ever address. see that? So. Did you ever see that movie, Doctor Strangelove, David? Doctor Strangelove, classic. That's film. not a Marvel movie. That's like a different one. Classic. No, this Maybe. is this is old old black and white film. Seventies. I don't older. even okay. remember. Oh, it's yeah, it's old. I, it's a it's a Kubrick film, Stanley Kubrick, I believe. And oh, okay. It's so bizarre and. Totally relevant. I recommend everyone go look up Dr. Strangelove. It's it's basically about the creation of an autonomous weapon that destroys the planet. So that's my concern, is AI attached to weapons operating autonomously. And I think this is already starting to happen. But anyway, I, I don't know. I want to stay positive with this, David, right? There's a potential for it to destroy humanity, but it's only a 10 to 20% chance, right? We've got a, we've got a good 90 to 80 to 90% chance that it frees us from all work and we can all just, you know, log on to our computers and tap a few buttons and it does everything for us, right? So let's, let's focus on that. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by ShareFile. 
Numerous times in this podcast, Blake and I have discussed the importance of delivering a modern, elevated client experience. Your clients expect more than just the expected service. They want to be able to easily collaborate and securely exchange documents with you, regardless of the location or device. That's where ShareFile comes in. ShareFile is a collaborative client experience solution that is built with accounting firms in mind. It's easy to use, backed by best-in-class security, and fully customizable to fit your needs, all while offering your clients a compelling experience. By consolidating your engagements into a single secure solution that can be accessed anywhere at any time, ShareFile helps you improve your client experience and increase your workflow efficiency. ShareFile also offers complete document management, custom branded client portals, workflow automation, e-signatures, and soon document requests for PBC lists, as well as new engagement spaces to simplify collaboration between your team and clients. If you're ready to deliver a modern client experience with ShareFile, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash ShareFile. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-H-A-R-E-F-I-L-E. I didn't see any other uh, AI stuff this week. Did you? Um, I'm sure there was, but I want to get to this story that I teased on LinkedIn about firms that remove audit partners who fault clients' internal controls. You see this one, David? I know you don't really pay attention to so, the audit so, beat so, the way so, I do. Yeah, so so the, the title's interesting. So yeah, like you like got to my say attention. all the time, explain to me like I'm a five-year-old. So explain this, what this means. What I really should do is copy paste this into ChatGPT and say, explain it like I'm five, <laughs> which I highly recommend trying. Do that for like anything. And it's amazing how good it is at but that. But then nobody will need to listen to our show, Blake. People will just do that and eliminate us. <laughs> well, so. no, because copy paste is a lot of work. And this way you can just you know, uh, queue up true. the podcast episode and hit play while you mow the lawn. So this was a study released in March that found that firms are far more likely to remove a partner from a continuing engagement when the partner has issued an adverse internal control opinion for any clients in the previous year. This is in Accounting Today. I'm reading from the article here. The researchers found that individual partners who issue negative opinions about a client's internal controls experience unfavorable changes in their client portfolios in the form of lower fees and less prestigious client assignments. The negative consequences for partners were most dire when their adverse opinions were issued about the firm's more important clients. So it hurts their careers. If you do I a mean, better job, if you do your job. If you do your, your job as an auditor and you fault clients' internal controls, you create a problem for the firm and you get punished for it. I, I mean, we've all known this is true. And now the researchers have proven it. They've demonstrated this to be true. And it makes you wonder, like, how how can the current state of audit continue when it's, like, this obvious that auditors are not independent of their clients? Like, why would this happen? What's the reason for this? Is it, are you asking me the reason? Uh, this is sort of a, uh, that was a hypothetical question, I guess. I mean, well, my guess I, is I, because they have a consulting contract over here, right? And they, they don't want to piss off the yeah, client. I, I like guess. That, I mean, it's who, a paying client. So what 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 they found too is like specifically that when engagement partners issue adverse internal control opinions to any of their clients, they're more likely to be reassigned after the opinions are issued. And especially with clients for whom they are doing Sarbanes-Oxley 404B internal control audits. So negative consequences. So I'm trying to understand like 
what's the motivation of doing the audit correctly at all? You, you, your career gets screwed up if you don't report stuff you find. Nobody wants to report it because it could impact your consulting engagements. But, but why do the audits at all at this point in any way, shape, or form? Well, I mean, I, I think this is the problem why a lot of people leave audit, right? Is because if you want to do a good job, you get punished for doing a good job. And you find that out at the staff level, the manager level. Like the, the more you dig, the more you find, the more you get reassigned. Because what does the firm ultimately want? How does it make money? By issuing opinions. They don't want to have to issue an adverse opinion. They don't want to lose the client. They don't want to cause problems for the client. It creates more work for the firm and creates problems for the client. It's like this is, this is the fundamental conflict of interest that no amount of ethics training can fix. It's the, it's the, the system. So then I, I see articles like PCAOB turns up the heat on auditors. <laughs> I had that one open. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more right? on the same page. So during a virtual keynote session Thursday at Baruch College, I guess they were doing a financial reporting conference in New York, Erica Williams, who is the chair of the PCAOB, pointed to growing trends and significant audit deficiencies highlighted in part 1.A of the PCAOB inspection reports. Quote, we found that audits with part 1A deficiencies increased 5% in our 2021 inspections to 34% compared to 29% in the 2020 inspections. And that means that a third of the audits we inspected had deficiencies of such significance that PCAOB staff believe that audit firms fail to obtain sufficient and appropriate audit evidence to support their opinions on public companies' financial statements or internal controls over financial reporting. A third of all audits. So I mean, loosely going by this math, ChatGPT could audit just good enough to get these same results right. in its current That's form. Even That's though it can't pass the exam. Yeah. So, you know, you wonder why we have trouble. Why do we have trouble recruiting and retaining? Like, wh- let's just say this. Why do we have trouble getting students to want to become accounting majors and then stick around and go into public accounting? I mean, a third of the audits that they're working on are so deficient that investors should not be relying on the financial statements. Like, they shouldn't be relying on the audit opinion that the financial statements are accurate. That's a huge failure rate, right? I mean, would you even pass the CPA so exam have, with? You have, so like the, this generation, you this, the, everybody wants to have their work and careers be fulfilling or what's, what's the word I'm looking for here, Blake? Yeah, you want to, you want to um, have meaning in your life, right? Meaning, right? Everybody wants meaning. Yeah. Nobody wants a nine to five job anymore. And so this next generation, they come out, they decide they want to be accountants, they graduate, they get their CPA exam, they work on an audit and realize it means nothing. Like, could you imagine like <laughs> the psychological blow to all the work you've put in for the last five, six years of your life to find yeah. out the work you're doing absolutely means nothing? Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's uh, sad to me because like, that's not accounting broadly. That's just accounting and auditing, I should say, that's just auditing for publicly listed companies, which you do at the big four, you're doing these massive audits that have these inspection problems. That's not what we do for small businesses. That's not what the people that you and I talk to every day, the small firm owners are doing. They are actually helping yeah. small businesses survive, thrive. They're getting through tax compliance with them, helping them plan, helping them retire, helping them sell businesses. That's really exciting and amazing and fulfilling. 
And we talk to those people all the time when we go to conferences and we have guests on the show. And that's not not what these young accountants are being exposed to. They're just being ground through the machine of getting these audits out the door that are deficient, or a lot of them are, right? Just doing the bare minimum to pass a PCAOB inspection. And they're not even passing those. And then the problem with the PCAOB we brought up before is a lot of people in the PCAOB either come from the big firms or go take a job at a big firm right afterwards. They're not going to punish their friends for these actions. Yep. (laughs) They call that uh, regulatory capture. That's the name of it. Okay, so while we're on this, we might as well just just nail them. Nail the big four. Three (laughs) failed U.S. banks had one thing in common, KPMG. This was a story in Financial Times that I just tweeted a picture of this headline and said KPMG in the hot seat. And that tweet got, I mean, last time I checked, it was like 179,000 impressions. I don't get that much action on Twitter. Is this Twitter. your greatest like, tweet or LinkedIn post ever? Like It, it might be my biggest tweet peak. of all time, which I like did not expect. But this was very, very popular, at least popular to like and retweet and share. Yeah, all three of the failed banks... The, the big failed banks recently, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, and First Republic were audited by KPMG. I found it really fascinating just how much of the banking industry KPMG audits, there's a chart here in the story, KPMG audits the largest proportion of U.S. listed banks by total assets, like $6 trillion of assets audited by KPMG. PwC is next at $5 trillion. EY, way lower at 2 and Deloitte has less than $1 trillion in assets that they're auditing for banks. And I think it's 14%, 14% of U.S. banks are audited by KPMG. So just by seeing this, isn't there like an, an audit or an accounting ethics guideline as far as like undue risk or introducing undue risk? Is that a concept? Oh, like, like sh- I mean, there there's a... There's a risk assessment that has to happen. Like you have to assess the risk of financial statement, you know, misstatement. But what about, so it's just like, I can't audit, you know, my brother-in-law, like if my brother is a CEO of a company, I probably have to disengage myself from that engagement. But like, there's no overall guidance for somebody like KPMG of like, maybe you have too much, too many banks, maybe, maybe too many eggs are in one basket here. Like there's no... Uh I think this is Policy I think you, or principles, you bring a guiding you bring up a good maybe. point. It's like this whole too big to fail idea, right? Which happens with banks. We've got you know Chase and Bank of America and Wells Fargo, and I think there's one other, and th- we know they're too big to fail. Like they will be bailed out by the government if something happens, just like in the Great Recession. And we have four big auditing firms, but really we don't. We only have two when it comes to banks, KPMG and and PwC. So like it really is. A, it's a duopoly there. And we all know that you know, the fewer providers there are, the less quality you get and the higher prices you get. Like this is, this is what our system has created, is a system where you know, there, there's, just no, there's not accountability because there's only two players. Like who's going to pick up the audits if KPMG gets fired? I guess PwC. Who's going to pick up the audits if PwC gets fired? KPMG, right? Like it just goes back and forth. So... I just wanted to share that with our audience. I had no idea that it was that concentrated. And of course, the question now is, like, will KPMG be held accountable for any of this? It all rests with the PCAOB. PCAOB will 
probably inspect these audits and they'll look at the work papers and they'll look at the analysis and they'll have to decide, did KPMG fail to issue a critical audit matter about this interest rate risk? And I don't know, I guess I feel kind of the same way I feel about the whole case against Trump in New York, where there's a case there, but it's super thin, right? It's, it's like, it's not great. And the way auditing standards have been written, I think KPMG probably is going to be hard to make a case against them that they should have done something because of the way the, the law is. So the same way as with the Trump organization, um, what's the actual crime? It's, a, it's normally a misdemeanor. It's falsifying business records is a misdemeanor, and they're going to try to elevate it to a felony through adding another crime. Like that's kind of a, it's a stretch, right? You got to add the other crime, make it a felony, convince a jury of this. Same thing with the KP, with KPMG and the PCOB. You got to really like make a strong argument that they should have issued a critical audit matter. And a lot of this is up to subjective judgment. So who's going to question that audit partner? Well, especially because the accounting rules for banks arguably need to change. And KPMG is just going to work off what the current rules are. They, they yeah. don't have to apply extra judgment, regardless of what that guy said in that article at the beginning of the show about how accountants apply experience and judgment. Like apparently they don't really do that. Well, we don't, we, we, we've protected ourselves by, you know, regulating, by writing the standards such that it's, the auditors are not held accountable and we've protected ourselves. So, you know, people from KPMG do audits of banks and then they go work at the FASB and PCAOB and they look out for their buddies. Like, this is natural. But that's created the situation we're in now. And you know who bears the brunt of it? It's these young 20-something auditors at, who were on these engagements that are like, oh, no, what have I done? Right? They're ba- the, yeah. the engagement team is, is bearing the blame for all of this, but it's really the regulators, who are the accountants too, right? They're to blame for it. It's 25 years, 30 years, 40 years of history, but you're right. The 22-year-old kid and, his, and the team he's on is the one that's going to get the ax for this. Yeah, and you, yeah you, and you think that guy's going to, or girl's going to want to stay in accounting after this, you know, having been on the audit engagement team? Yeah. Like all these, you know, it's like, it's not the place you want to be, right? All your friends are making fun of you, right? Oh, you audit banks? Nice job. <laughs> or KPMG, nice job. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Wolters Kluwer. This year, Wolters Kluwer is proud to celebrate 10 years in the cloud with their CCH Access platform. CCH Access is the tax and accounting industry's most comprehensive cloud platform, specifically designed to help you focus on the work that matters most to your clients and your bottom line. With a proven cloud platform for tax, audit, and firm management, CCH Access delivers seamless integration and efficient workflows that will transform the way you do business. Hosted in the cloud, CCH Access enables your team to be just as productive at home or on the road as they can be in the office. With all your firm's data in a single secure platform, your data becomes more usable, providing valuable insights into your clients and your firm's operations that less connected solutions just simply can't offer. Additionally, CCH Access offers a wide range of features and functionalities to help you manage your practice more efficiently, from automated data gathering and processing to advanced analytics and reporting. CCH Access empowers you to make the data-driven decisions that drive growth and improve client satisfaction. CCH Access is perfect for firms of all sizes scaling to meet your needs, whether you're a small firm or a very large one. In fact, 94 of Accounting Today's top 100 firms trust CCH Access to power their firms. 
If you want to elevate your practice with CCH Access and join the ranks of successful firms reaping rewards of this innovative cloud platform, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash access. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-X-C-E-S-S. What else you got, David? Should we go into app news? Um, before we go into app news, I just saw some interesting numbers. When you think about, you know, as you're offering your services and, you know, already competing with TurboTax and H&R Block and the tax shops and all of that. And so this is uh, from insiderradio.com. And essentially it's, it's about the ads that were ran for leading up to tax day 2023 by the top 20 brands. Um, and it has both the radio ads and TV ads. If you want to bring it up, I think you have the article. It's very interesting numbers um, when you start thinking about these, the scale. So, so this is from Inside Radio, and this is the chart says top 20 brands by total ads leading in tax day 2023. So for the listeners that can't see this, TurboTax ran 637,382,000 ads on the television. Wow. Do you really think your Google ad spend is going to work? <laughs> that dwarfs Jackson Hewitt. Jackson Hewitt's next with 145,000 TV ad spots. But they but they did more radio. Yeah. Interesting. Jackson Hewitt owned and radio. H&R Block, I know, dialed back um, to 84,000 Yeah, they barely did ads. anything. Yeah, 86,000 total across TV and radio, but mostly TV. QuickBooks, QuickBooks by comparison had, what, 67,000? I wonder what they spent on that. Well, hey, you brought up uh, TurboTax and you brought up Intuit, right? Uh, wasn't there just like a big settlement for TurboTax? Am I going to get some money? Because I did use TurboTax well, at one point. I don't know how the settlement is, but people are getting checks because of yeah. the whole uh, free, 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 free. Right? The free, free, free thing? So TurboTax customers to receive checks for $141 million in a settlement. This is on AP. This just came out last week. In a settlement last year, TurboTax's owner Intuit Inc. was ordered to pay $141 million to some 4.4 million people across the country. Those impacted were low-income customers, consumers, eligible for free federally supported tax services, but paid TurboTax to file their federal returns across the 2016, 17, and 18 tax years due to, quote, predatory and deceptive marketing, unquote, New York Attorney General Letitia James said. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. So the checks are going out. How much are they getting? 29 to $85. All right. Oh, that's like the price of TurboTax and TurboTax Live. So you can use, you can use it for your next year's return. Do you, think, do you think they'll send it out as like a, a free coupon for your next year of uh, TurboTax? No, I think they go out as real checks because lawyers don't want yeah. a oh, percentage no, yeah, yeah. of coupons. I'm, I'm, <laughs> they I'm go joking. out as real checks. They go out as real checks. Uh, did you see we, we had a lot of listener, listener mail this week? Yeah, yeah, we did. Shall I pull up some of that? Uh, so this is from Jason Brown. Jason Brown said, you guys constantly harp on the 120 slash 150 hour issue. And sure, there are issues with the system as it stands. However, I don't think the solution to the accountant shortage is to devalue the CPA license. How about paying more? I work in private industry and the jobs I see when I apply are generally offering atrocious pay and no remote options. On the few occasions I do find a role that meets my requirements, there are so many applicants that I don't even get an interview. If the pay and benefits were right, there would be plenty of CPAs. As things stand now, I would encourage my child to be a software developer instead of a CPA, 
because companies hiring developers are willing to pay for employees, CPA firms could take a lesson there. So pay, pay more, and solve the talent shortage. Problem is that you can't force firms to pay more. Right? The market determines what accountants are worth when it comes to their salaries. I mean, especially in private industry. So I think this goes back to what we were talking about with audit and financial statements and making them useful is that, you know, if investors aren't finding audit opinions useful, if audits are failing, if financial statement information isn't trustworthy, if it's not giving them what they need, they're not going to value it. And if they don't value it, then it's just viewed as a compliance activity. And so, of course, salaries will be as low as possible because when you're fulfilling a strict compliance role, that's that's what happens, right? It's just, what's the least I can pay to get my financial statements printed? What's the least I can pay to get somebody to audit those, right? It, it's a commodity that gets driven then to the a ripple effect, bottom. right? If Wall Street doesn't value mm-hmm. accountants, why should Main Street value accountants? Yeah. Well, and, and but again, like that's where you want to be, right? If you want to be valued as an accountant, you're not going to get it, you know, working in financial reporting at a big corporation that's just doing it because they got to do it because of the law. It's going to be working with small businesses to, you know, help them grow or or working with, you know, private companies to help them grow. Like just like not doing the compliance, right? And I think that's what I see successful firms do is they do the compliance, but the value is not in the tax return. The value is in everything else that goes around getting the tax return done. And same thing with the bookkeeping, right? It's not about just putting together a trial balance to give to your tax preparer. There's all the other things that come into it, like I'm going to manage your payroll for you. I'm going to manage your bills for you. I'm going to help you with whatever comes up. I'll be your money guy. That's where the value's at. So. Just uh, changing the world. One, one, one listener at a time. I think things are starting to shift. I think people are starting to see, see, you know, audit for what it is, um, start to question it. You know, I think when, when the messaging was controlled all from the top down, AICPA, NASBA, they repeated the big four talking points and nobody ever heard any other point of view. And media like podcasting has completely changed this, right? You and I, David, nobody's can have a show and can have an opinion and people will tune in and hear it. And we listen to our listeners who also, you know, probably many of them have no voice in their state societies or boards because those are dominated by people in positions of power and it's starting to change. And, you know, the talent shortage is actually a good thing because it's forcing these folks who have not listened to actually listen to their members. Did you say, I think on Twitter, was there a survey or you published on Twitter, there was a survey at BDO Alliance or something. You put some oh, yeah. tweet out about the 150 hour rule. I'm so glad you brought this up. I almost totally forgot. So one of our listeners messaged me and asked to stay anonymous and said uh, that there was a poll at the BDO Alliance meeting in Las Vegas. I think it was the week before last and gave me the results. So Shall we, shall we look at the results here? I tweeted this and can out. Can you just quickly explain? BDO Alliance is not, they're not, it's not BDO. It's, it's firms that partner together and get 
support, tech support, software support from BDO? Is that kind of how the BDO Alliance works? I actually don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar in general the with the concept of like these alliances, you know, like smaller okay. firms joining together under, like Aprio has one too. Like there's an Aprio, I don't know what it's called, Aprio Alliance. And like, so if you're a small firm, it's like being affiliated with Aprio or BDO, but without, you know, actually being in the firm. So yeah, you get resources, okay. right? That's my understanding of it anyway. Right, feel free to correct us. Uh, viewers, if if we're totally off base here, so anyway, at the BDO Alliance conference, which you know it's a lot of uh, managing partners of these smaller firms getting together with BDO, they did a poll on the 150-hour CPA rule, and the results are this. Okay, keep as is. Thirty managing partners voted for that. That is 20% of the total. So 20% said just keep the 150 as is. Should we modify it? 33%. 49 of the managing partners said, yes, we should modify it. So a third said modify and remove entirely. This is the part that kind of blew my mind. These are managing partners, right? 46% want to remove it entirely. That's 68 of the voters. So if you add together the people who want to remove it entirely or modify it, that's 80% want it to change. 80% of managing partners of the BDO Alliance want to change the 150-hour wow. rule, either by removing it entirely or by modifying it. Only 20% want to keep it the same. There's some comments about this, though, if you see the comments we're getting. Brian said that, yes, the BDO Alliance is smaller local and regional firms. And I guess, you know, if you think about it, small firms, regional firms are feeling the pain of the talent crunch most acutely. So... And, and to them, the benefit of that, like, master's is limited. O'Brien also said that he thinks it was an audit partners meeting because this didn't come in for tax partners. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, audit partners. Even still, 80%? It's a lot. Yeah, Sarah says, my husband's firm is a BDO Alliance firm. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Great to see you. David... Hall says, most organizations typically do not value most support functions until crisis or collapse. Some accounting firms position themselves to meet the market for crisis services and have premium rates. Ah, uh, yes. Going back to the discussion of like, how do you create value? That's a great point. Crisis services, right? Charge for the uh, urgent response. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Sweet Files. I'm guessing that you probably are already paying for Microsoft 365 and use Outlook, OneDrive, Word, and of course, Excel daily. Wouldn't it be great if you could just use this existing tech stack that you already know and trust to work with your clients more securely, efficiently, and collaboratively? SuiteFiles has everything you need to manage your client documents. Nothing more, nothing less. And because SuiteFiles is built on Microsoft 365, you, your team, and your clients already know how to use it. With SuiteFiles, you can easily create and edit documents, including PDFs, and get digital signatures from clients all safe and securely. By using the Microsoft 365 folder system that you are familiar with, SuiteFiles makes it simple for your team and your clients to upload, store, and retrieve documents, including the ability to work with documents offline, see version history in case you need to roll back changes to a doc, Outlook integration, custom branding, PDF annotation, and PDF merging. 
And just announced, SuiteFiles now works with Carbon. Your Carbon contact and organization data will sync into SuiteFiles, allowing you to auto-populate all the business templates you use in SuiteFiles. And if you're headed to AICPA Engage in June, you can swing by the SuiteFiles booth, which is conveniently right next door to the Carbon booth, to get an in-person demo of the integration. To learn more about using SuiteFiles to solve your document management needs and for advice on tackling the talent shortage, including top five tips to find qualified workers, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash SuiteFiles. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-U-I-T-E-F-I-L-E-S. So I'm going to Italy and I had the uh, pleasure of purchasing Medivac insurance. I've never experienced this before because like the last time I traveled, I was in my 20s and I didn't think about that. You know, you don't think about it when you're young and healthy. And like, it's the coolest thing. You pay a few hundred dollars, and if you get sick, if you're hospitalized and you need, you, you know, you can't travel home because you're in the hospital, they'll fly a jet to you that's like equipped like a hospital bed and everything. Like it's, it's like a medical jet and fly you home from anywhere in the world. Now that's value, right? Like for the amount I pay to have the peace of mind knowing I can just get home, on like some private plane I, with, I would just stay in Italy for a little longer. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> what are you doing? That doesn't seem like good use of money. Recuperate in Italy. You want to touch on a couple quick app news? Yeah. What else you got? So just really quick, 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 quick. Uh, Melio has now launched inside of Shopify. So Shopify has now built in bill pay and that's powered by Melio. And then Melio also launched an iOS app. This week I saw that as well. So if you if you want mobile Melio, that's available there. Um, Gapify, uh, who it's almost like setting up accounting automation as a service, right? They mm-hmm. uh, they were they use proprietary tools to if you want to automate your AP processes in house through uh, RPA, they can come help set all that up. But uh, they just they just raised uh, ten million dollars. Um, and the other one is, it's kind of interesting. If you go to translucent.io, this is the former receipt bank founder. He launched a new, it's, he's calling it the CFO super app. And it looks like it does some sort of multi, multi-entity reporting. It has some live sheets, BI analytics. It helps doing the close checklist. Um, it also apparently is going to help pull together data that's, you know, not all t- finished. I don't know how to better way to say that. So you have half a transaction over here. You have the receipt scan over here. Maybe you have something else over here through a bank feed and it's supposed to pull those together to clean up that data as well. But it's like they said, a CFO super app. So I always wonder about apps like this because it, just at first glance, it looks like they're trying to ingest all the data into a single data warehouse. And my problem with that has always been keeping it synced properly. Like one SaaS tried to do this back in the day to be a you know one platform to manage all your data. And I always had sync errors, like never got it to work perfectly. And then the sync errors would just destroy my life. <laughs> Ended up being one of my least yeah. favorite things I ever tried to do. So, And at this time, it does look like it's a little um, heavy for either the UK or down under because it's, it's connecting to exact MYOB, Penny Lane, Sage. I mean, it does QuickBooks and Zero as well, but a lot of these other products tend to be you know, down under. 
We'll have to keep an eye on it. So you said that's the founder of Receipt Bank? Receipt Bank, yep. That's awesome. I mean, if somebody can do it, right, somebody with a track record like that might uh, might be able to. Um, Anchor integrated with Zapier. Did you see that, David? Oh, I did. I saw it in the app, but I did not see news about that. I, saw, I got an email about it. So Anchor is a proposal okay. software. You know, consider that in addition to Ignition, depending on your needs. And now that they have Zapier integration, I think it's going to be really powerful. You could do a lot with it. Um, and I think my favorite thing about it is what, it's $5 per payment flat. So if you're doing high value, you know, ACH, then uh, you don't get hammered on like percentage fees. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's, it's set up for um, really that subscription business model. Yep. Right? Getting people to pay up front, pay you automatically and taking you, you know, you, your firm or your company, you don't have to be in the billing process. Uh, other new, well, you spoke about insurance for your flight to Italy or your, your in case, but QuickBooks has discontinued their insurance. So in QuickBooks in 2020, they were going to announce plan to offer QuickBooks commercial customers, some business insurance through a company they partnered with called uh, next insurance. And they were going to offer that through QuickBooks online payroll. And apparently the, uh, it just the distribution models never worked, and so they're pulling the plug on that, and they're going to kill that product, the QuickBooks insurance product. Was that workers' comp insurance? This, I don't think this was workers' comp. Oh, no, this was. Work- uh, no, it's not workers' comp. So the workers' comp product's been around for a very long time, and that led into well, that's been working. Oh, Let's do other just business, business liability insurance. insurance. Got it. Yeah, yeah, and it just didn't seem to work. It just couldn't get the traffic or the traction in their ROI goals. So. That's going away. I got one more here on the tech news front. KPMG signed a deal with MindBridge for AI and audits. So MindBridge is a statistical machine learning and rules-based analytics engine for audit. They're going to incorporate it into KPMG's audit platform, Clara, and use it for all their, is it all their audits? It's a big deal for MindBridge to get this deal. Of course, the, 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 these announcements you always have to take them with a grain of salt because it might just be like KPMG has made it possible now for audit partners to use MindBridge. MindBridge then has to go and recruit every single <laughs> audit partner to use MindBridge. So yeah. getting to actually use the, yeah. yes, that, that anybody who's been on the software side of this business and has sold something to a big firm and the big firm's like, yes, we're going to put that on 6,000 clients. Two years later, they put it on two clients. <laughs> Yes. It's I great news we, headlines though. It's it's a great article. But yeah, it's always tough. I forget what firms. we call that, but it's it's like the the penetration into a firm of that size is usually the the hardest thing. So this is just the beginning of their journey. We'll see what happens. Well, David, that's all my stories for this week and we're coming up at the end of our time. Where can listeners follow you online? I will see you. The next time I see you will be in Italy. Yes. They can't Think follow us that. there, unfortunately. But they can follow us online and get updates from Expensicon. So hashtag Expensicon. Right? Yeah, hashtag Expensicon. So you're at David Leary. I am at yep. Blake T. Oliver. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Those are our favorite spots to be. And subscribe to the Cloud Accounting Podcast on YouTube. Get notified when we go live. Join us. You can chat with us. It's always fun to see you. Thanks everyone who joined us for our live stream. I mean, it's it. Ever since we started doing this, David, it's made it so much more fun to record. I love talking to you, of course. Don't get me wrong, yes. 
but it's just so much fun to get the live input from our well, listeners. Well, I like how we can say something wrong and somebody's like, oh no, this is what it is, and they clarify it for us. Oh yeah, it's great. Just I don't have that. to go fix that in post-production anymore, right? We can just, just do it live it right on the air. in the episode. All and right. then I think our plan is at Expensive Con is we're going to try to shoot and record little videos every day and hopefully get those out the next day. Like we, we, we think we have a loose plan on this. So watch for that every day. You should see some some Cloud Accounting podcast videos going on. We're going to try every day. Daily content. I'll see you uh, I'll see you in person in Italy, David. A couple of days. And I'll get back to my other conference. Bye, everybody. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Client Hub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time, and the best part that it's free. Introducing the free Client Hub Recategorized Plan. Client Hub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorized plan that'll lead you to implement all the features of the award winning Client Hub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using Client Hub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Is it possible to scale your firm while significantly reducing your workload so you can spend more time with your family? That's what Marie Phillips did when she tripled the revenues of her multi-seven-figure firm thanks to Future Firm Accelerate. Designed for busy firm owners, Future Firm Accelerate gives you the system, training, coaching, and the community you need to systemize your firm so that you can scale it while working less. The program is built around founder and CPA Ryan Lozanis' six-part Future Firm framework, which he used to scale and sell his own firm, Zen Accounting, to a major international organization in just five short years. To learn more and join over 700 other modern firm owners scaling their businesses, go to www dot futurefirmaccelerate.com that's www.futurefirmaccelerate.com We don't like uncategorized transactions, but we do like cats, and we love Uncat. Thousands of accountants and bookkeepers have switched from sending spreadsheets of uncategorized transactions to their clients every month to using Uncat. It's easy. Uncat syncs with QuickBooks and gets clients' responses back so fast, you can close the books on time, every time. And you're going to love the price. Uncat is just $5 per month per client. And bonus, start a 14-day free trial at Uncat.com, and they'll send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. Get yours at Uncat.com. Are you tired of spending hours manually adjusting your balance sheet and reconciling your accounts every month? Say hello to NetTracker. Automate tedious tasks such as adjustments for depreciation, prepaid expenses, accruals, and deferred revenue. With just a few clicks, selected balance sheet accounts are updated and reconciled. No more stress and hassle every month. NetTracker makes monthly financial reporting a breeze. Try it now with QuickBooks Online, Zero or Sage Business Cloud, and see how much time and energy you can save. www.nettracker.com. That's www.nett-tracker.com. Your accounting clients don't want another shiny app they have to log into. They want to be met where they live in their email inbox. FinDaily does just that. FinDaily automates the communication of key financial data by sending it to your client's inbox daily. Try FinDaily out for free at findaily.io. That's findaily.io. 
Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.